Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. My name is Rasmus. I run at Chelsea Rumors over on Twitter, where I deal with Chelsea affairs, uh, mostly transfer-related, but anything else, really, that's uh, blue-tinted. So if you um, fancy giving me a follow there, it'd be much appreciated. Thank you. Hi, I'm Jay. I'm editor of TheEaglesBeak.com, a fan site. also write for a new sports website called Stalk Sports, and I also have a column in the Croydon Advertiser where I was doing a bit of work for Palace Fan TV. So um, you can catch me uh, in most places, but, but uh, I'm mostly active on The Eagles Beak, and you catch us there on Twitter, at The Eagles Beak. And for those wondering, Jay didn't write the Balassi to Spurs piece that came out in the Croydon Advertiser. Oh. <laughs> um, you can find me on Twitter, at Kevroff. Uh, Great to have you guys. Up first, we have Making the Rounds, where we each have a few minutes to discuss what's been happening at our clubs. Now, Rasmus, we just saw the end of the transfer window. What did you make of Chelsea movements? Yeah, we were a, a tiny bit disappointed, really, but that was because we had such high expectations. Um, obviously, we've been linked to, to John Stones for several months now and started off with a 20 million bid and uh, finished off with something around 40 million. But... Obviously, Roberto Martinez and Everton, they, uh, they stood their ground and didn't want to sell him. And in a way, you know, that's impressive. But uh, considering the fact that he'd had a little transfer request, we were really hoping that, uh, that he would join us because obviously our, our defences look a bit, uh, a bit slow, to be honest with you. Like we're lacking some pace. Um, so, yeah, it's a shame that one didn't go through. But we were even more excited about the rumours with um, Paul Pogba of Juventus. Uh, obviously, that one didn't go through either, and um, I kind of expected it all along. But there were so many rumors that even I got caught up in the excitement of of potentially signing such a world class player. And uh, it's it's difficult to uh, well, it's not difficult to see why we would want him because our midfield has looked a bit. Did Fabregas? Is, he's just he's not playing well, and he hasn't played well for for eight months now. Um, so it's a bit of a problem, really, and we look a bit weak. And uh, as such, Pogba would probably be the one player who would come in and fix that straight away. So it's a shame that we didn't we didn't get to sign him. Obviously, some of the rumours are that Juventus actually accepted a bit, but then he rejected us. I'm uh, not really sure if if I, I believe that. I, I choose not to anyway. And um, <laughs> it just means you were closer. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, maybe we'll sign him in January. Maybe maybe in summer, but he'll probably go to Barcelona, if I'm honest with you. Um, brilliant player, though. We'll, we'll see how that one turns out. Shame we didn't get him. Uh, we did get two players in on deadline day. Um, Papi Gilobodji and Michael Hector from uh, FC Nantes. And uh, Reading, as far as... Yeah, Reading. Um, two defenders. Uh, Hector straight back out on loan to Reading. 
apparently he was a he was a Chelsea supporter growing up, so good for him. Uh, I doubt that we'll ever really see him play for the first team. He'll just be another one of our famous lone army that we'll eventually make a minor profit on. But can't really complain about that because it's really helped the financial situation and it's been it's been very clever uh, from the board to do that. Even though some people disagree with it, Jilabaji uh, he was obviously. Um, he hasn't gone out on loan. He was he was the defender that we brought in instead of John Stones. Uh, disappointing, really, when you think about it. I think Gilabodji, he's, he's 26 years old. He, he played for, for Nantes in, in France and was considered a decent defender, but apparently he's he's known for... He often gets caught ball-watching and he can be a bit too aggressive in his tackle. But, uh, you know, can't really complain because our defence has... Um, not look good enough, so we need to bring someone in, and we have, and and we got him. We got him on the cheap, so it'll be interesting to see how he contributes. Obviously, he won't contribute in the Champions League because he hasn't been registered in our squad for that. Uh, maybe that's a sign that Mourinho he wasn't really that keen on him, and it was more the board who uh, decided to sign him. But who knows? Um, apart from that, yeah, we've 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 been screaming out for some additions since the start of the season because we really haven't done well, as Jay will. Happily testify to um, <laughs> about that game. We were so bad. Credit to Palace, really well organized. Turned up and they gave it a real go, and they they weren't af- afraid to uh, to attack us, and and they got their reward. So um, yeah, all credit to Palace. But you have to say that Chelsea were really not. We weren't up to our usual standards, especially not the ones that we set in the start of the last season. So it's it's disappointing to see us start this way, and uh, I hope that we turn around sooner rather than later. Obviously, we've got a brilliant player in in, in Pedro. It looks like a, we finally found a, a perfect right winger to complement Hazard on the left, and then hopefully Oscar through the middle soon again because he's out injured right now. But he looked really good in the first match against Swansea. He's pretty much the only player. Um, so yeah, it's it's interesting to see how Mourinho is going to turn this one around. Uh, obviously, the press, a lot of the press, they're keen on on him failing this season and you know getting the sack, but. Uh, Let's see how it turns out. He's a brilliant manager. If anyone can turn around, it's probably him. So um, I, I definitely haven't lost my patience with him. He's a he's a Chelsea legend for for a reason, and I'm I'm not gonna jump on the whole Mourinho out brigade that's already starting to show on social media, which is just ridiculous. But that's modern football for you. So yeah, people trying to fit it into that three years and out narrative. Yeah, um, exactly. You mentioned John Terry there, or maybe you didn't, but you did mention Chelsea's defense slowing, which I interpreted as John Terry. I mentioned yeah. a couple of places that, you know, as a Spurs fan, we saw Ledley, Ledley King's legs start to go, and then they were gone, and he just couldn't play at the same pace anymore. I've said multiple places that I think that that's what's happened to John Terry, that it isn't all this Mourinho drama that's going on. But the way Timbi go Mies kind of dismantled him in match week one, I thought was pretty solid evidence do you agree with that, or do you think he'll be able to bounce back? Um, I, I I believe he, he's going to bounce back. Uh, from what I saw at the end of last season, he was he was really good. He was he was one of our best players throughout the whole season, and probably perhaps the most consistent one. So um, I, I don't I don't think his legs can go during a summer. I mean, you're right that when once it starts, it, it really it snowballs and it. it it happens really fast, but I, I think it's a bit unfair to say that that's happened to John Terry at this stage. Um, after all, he's always been a, a defender who has played more in his positioning rather than his pace. So it's, um, 
I think he, he has at least another good season in him, and I think we'll see him bounce back from that. Okay, and Jay, obviously Rasmus mentioned that Palace match a little bit. Would you like to discuss that? <clears throat> yeah, I think I think Rasmus um, kind of mentioned something in uh, the disappointment in the transfer window and that he didn't get anybody with a bit of pace at the back because I think that's what Palace really showed Chelsea up with, um, the, the way that we attacked at, uh, at pace and speed and, and uh, with our wingers and it, and it really highlighted the fact that even, even without John Terry in the back line and he, he missed that game. Uh, really highlighted the fact that um, you know if you come up against pacey wingers, or, or it kind of shows the rest of the league that if you attack Chelsea like that with with pace, um, then then they will struggle. Um, whether we made it difficult for them, or, you know, I think perhaps we did, but you know Chelsea did did have an off day, thankfully. But let's say you can't take an awful lot away from us because I think the tactics were spot on by Pardew again, um, played with players which. Exploited back line, particularly the fullbacks. I think the fullbacks struggled, um, uh, and uh, I mean Chelsea just struggled to to cope with, um, with with Sacco for one, who's turned out to be in, in the two games he's played, has turned out to be an absolute beast of a signing for us. He really has, and hopefully that continues. Could turn out to be uh, the sign of the season. You know, free transfer from Wolves. Uh, a couple of uh, Premier League clubs looked at him, but didn't didn't take the gamble. I, I, I say gamble. I don't see what the gamble is on signing somebody on a free transfer who scored 15 field last season in Championship. I, I think the next step up is, uh, you know, is the Premier League, and for somebody to you know to give him that chance. I think Everton and West Brom were two. I spoke to an Everton fan the following week, and he said, um, you know, a lot of Everton fans kind of thought, you know, oh, not sort of player we we wanted to sign, but made made us look uh, made them look silly by the way he's performed. So. A lot of positives for us. Obviously, getting the three points is is massive. I think we we're unfortunate last season at Chelsea in that uh, we lost one nil to a to a dubious penalty. Um, <clears throat> but I think we've played well enough in that one to to get the points, and that was the game that Chelsea took the title. Um, so after that result, ecstatic. And I think the international breaks come at the wrong time for us. We uh, we faced the first five fixtures season. Um, you know, three of those were against the top four, or or, or, or three of the top four that finished last season. Uh, as as we face Man City at home on Saturday, and well, it's a top of the table clash. I'm surprised the TV uh, companies haven't uh, banked on this one being, uh, you know, being a big game. It's still a three o'clock kickoff on Saturday, and it's uh, you know top two in the Premier League. So. Title, <laughs> I, to be title. fair, yeah, title winning <laughs> I mean, powers. Yeah. Uh, listen, guy, I'm not kidding myself. I mean, it, it, you know, I've taken screen for you know the table and stuff like that, but. Yeah, you know, there's a few people out, you know, taking us a bit seriously now. You know, some people and some of the media are saying that we, you know, we could feasibly finish in the top six. Um, again, I, I think perhaps, um, you know, if if all our players stay fit and we and we have, uh, you know, a good run of games, then you know, why why not? I mean, it's it's something I alluded to in the summer in that. Where does a team like Palace go after finishing like we have the last two seasons, eleventh and tenth? Do we? gamble in the summer and make a couple of signings to try and look at you know consolidate a top 10 finish and, and perhaps finish higher than 10th and work on work on that basis and I think we've done that I think the owners have been um, you know looked at you know thought about the same thing and and thought you know clubs can Swansea have shown that they can compete with uh, you know the top seven or eight teams Stoke City last season finished top 10 um, and I think I mentioned to Kev before I think Tottenham are a team which you know, a little bit in turmoil in terms of, you know, I, I can't see them finishing the top four or five and they could be the team that, you know, could be caught by the likes of us, Swansea. Um, you know, I, I, I again said that, you know, if we finish 17th in the table and stay up, then great. But I think, 
you know the mindset of Palace fans has started to change in that you know we're we're competing against these these bigger teams, beating these larger teams like Chelsea. Um, and once I was saying you know these games the top you know games against top four teams are are freebie games, but you know to be honest, why should I keep saying that? You know we're we're, we're consistently getting points out of these top sides, top five or six Man City last season, uh, Liverpool as well we beat. Um, so. You know, no reason why we can't you know look ahead um, and think that you know we could we could push for a top six or seven slot. That would be absolutely fantastic. But you know, I'm not getting ahead of myself. Just enjoying where, where we are at the moment. Second place going to the national break, um, far better than I ever expected at this point of the season, considering the teams that we've played. So uh, so very happy in terms of the transfer window. Um, weren't particularly busy on deadline day. I think we did our business in good time, which is which is excellent. We're not a team which has commonly done that, but I think we've learnt over the last few years in that, you know, our, our first season in the Premier League, that first transfer window was terrible. We brought in about 14, 15 players uh, and, and that was just kind of panic buying and getting the squad numbers up and stuff, which was ridiculous. But since then, we've done very well in all the transfer windows and I think we've done excellently this summer. Um, got the transfer, got the players in that we wanted to before the deadline day, before the madness of the deadline day as it is. Um, the only the, the only um, dealings we had were players leaving, which, you know, you sign players, team like us, we've, we've got to let some go. And I think the big name to go is Glenn Murray. Uh, a lot of Palace fans are unhappy about it. Some are distraught. <laughs> um, he is a club legend. You know, he's been around at the club for a while. He was massive in our promotion season, scored 30 goals. Um, you know, to, to to have a big hand in our promotion, um, did his cruciate knee ligaments in in the playoff semi final, and obviously missed a lot of the season after the first season back in the Premier League. So it, it is a shame to see him go, but for me, I think it's probably the right time. You know, to sell Murray, a thirty-two-year-old striker for four million, I, I don't think that's a bad deal. Really, um, we signed Wickham, who kind of replaces him in a way, a lot younger player who's got to learn. Um, it, and, and one of our strikers had to go. I mean, we've we, we've brought in Wickham, we've brought in Bamford on loan. Um, for me, it was either Murray or Fraser Campbell that's going to go. And with Fraser Campbell having a hamstring injury, I think it was the obvious choice for him to go. Um, the other two interesting points were um, Yednak was actually in discussions with Stoke City to uh, to join them, and it broke down because yeah, that of seems like a personal terms. Mm, yeah, he's, I mean, to be fair, he's not been getting in the team. Um, so I'm not sure whether it was his choice to, uh, you know, to try and get first team football, but it fell through. Thankfully for us, I think he's still got a big part to play for us because there are going to be games where Kabai is not going to be suited to the style of play that we're going to need to play. Um, and the other one was uh, Joe Ledley was released from international duty to go and talk to um, West Brom and Cardiff, um, but nothing came of that. So. Two players there. I think the deadly one was really on the basis that the deal for Jednak had fallen through with Stoke. So I think it was seen to be getting rid of one of my midfielders, one or the other. Um, and both were a surprise. I don't want to see us lose either. If I if if I had a choice, I think I'd rather keep Ledley because he's, he fits into our style of play a bit more than Jednak does at the moment. Although I can still see a place or can still see... Um, Yednak working out for us. Um, and you'd like to keep yeah, uh, Joe future. Ledley for when Wales inevitably wins Euro 2016 and then you have a Euro winning player on your team. Well, obviously, he's our bearded genius. I mean, you know, he's he's a legend with that beard. <laughs> he's like Jednak in that he just hasn't really had the opportunity to, to get into a side which, you know, Rasmus probably noticed it against Chelsea. We're playing such an attacking style at the moment in that we're playing with players... Like Punch and Zaha, Blassie and and Kabai, you know, across the middle and Sacco, 
uh, and and obviously MacArthur is the guy that does all the hard work in the middle and MacArthur has been outstanding Um, and neither Ledley or or Yednak are getting in ahead of him at the moment but oddly enough MacArthur can't get into the Scotland squad which is uh, rather bizarre (laughs) Uh, well, you can get into squad, but you can't get on, on the first eleven. But um, to be fair, I'm very happy with it, how our dealings. You know, we've lost Glenn Murray, which was a shame. Uh, a lot of fans are unhappy, but I think it's the right time. Uh, and we thank him for what he's done for us. He's, you know, he, he goes down in 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 club you know club history as uh, one of our top strikers, and uh, and he always will be. So we we thank him uh, we thank him a lot for that. But I think we've kind of outgrown him in a little bit. If that makes sense, we've kind of gone past. Uh, that kind of player, uh, not being disrespectful, but I think you know he, he came back from his loan spell last season uh, and did really well for us. He, he scored a few goals the second half last season to prove a point and started this season particularly well. Um, seemed to be battling for for a place, so it was on the cards. It was no secret that I think uh, somebody was going to go, and it looked like to be him. So, um, so yeah, it's a shame, but we you know thank him for his time, and uh, he'll always go down as uh, you know a club legend. Yeah. Uh, for Tottenham, we, unlike Jay, had a very busy deadline day, but it <laughs> ended with the same result of not bringing anyone in. Uh, a lot of rumors flying around on deadline day. Obviously, Berahino, the highest profile one, um, meant meant to be able to have a big discussion on that with Dan, but he wasn't able to make it. Um, but it, that was a very strange saga, the fact that it was made public the whole time, and then at the end, Jeremy Peace blamed Tottenham for unsettling a player when they were the ones constantly public, publicly uh, putting out press releases, discussing every transfer, discussing his transfer request. Uh, we're not the ones that put the pressure on him at all. And I think it's a little strange that, that we've kind of gotten the blame for that, um, especially if you read the two post-transfer window uh, press releases. If you listen to West Brom's or read it and then you read the Tottenham one, one comes off as professional and well thought out, and it is not Jeremy Pieces. Um <laughs> We'll, we'll get into that later once we, we get an Albion guy back on. Obviously, it fell through. I, I went on a bit of a rant, I think it was, earlier this week, uh, maybe Tuesday, about this whole whole thing. And a lot of people are really freaking out that we didn't bring in Barahino, but I think that's missing the target a bit. It is not crazy upsetting that we missed out on spending $23 million on a backup striker. Because the thought was he could also play on the wing. But then we brought in Hyungming Sun. We brought in Clinton Inji. We don't need more wingers anymore. We also kept Lamela because we weren't able to bring in Berahino. So now we're fine on the wings. Now you're looking at who is going to be a backup striker. And spending $23 million on that does seem like a bit much. The problem is that we needed a backup striker and didn't have a different option to go to. We're hearing Charlie Austin was offered to Newcastle on the last day. He was being floated around to a lot of people. Heard that Tottenham weren't interested because he was inflexible uh, tactically and wouldn't work in our system. That's fine. But if you're going to banish Adebayor to the Outlands, then you need somebody to fill in there. And even after we signed Young Minson, Pochettino came out and said, we're still going after a striker. We're still going to bring a striker in. We now know that that was Berahino. But now he's saying that he's happy with his squad, which just, it can't be the case. I understand the point that he doesn't want any extra players. We've mentioned this quote several times. If there were only 11 players at the club I trust, I'd have a squad of 11 players. That's fine. But we're challenging on four fronts this year. Maybe not the Capital One Cup for long, as we drew Arsenal uh, for the first (laughs) match there. But saying that you're happy with a squad that has such a glaring hole, and, and 
midfield is a whole as well. Yes, Dyer has played well. Some people are very excited about the prospect of him in the midfield. Cough, Seifu. Um, it's interesting. It's an it's a interesting concept, and he did do very well against Everton, so I'll give him that. But I'm not sure that that's the answer long term. Still don't have a second striker to play Europa League. I think what we're going to end up doing is using NG as a straight second striker and then play Sun as a winger most of the time. Um, but, I mean, only time will tell there. But that's that's leaving the squad pretty thin. The one benefit of bringing in wingers is it means Dembele can probably revert to central midfield where he's been, yes, and effective. But he's also a body that can play there, which is an issue that we're now facing. Um, we did end up holding on to Tommy Carroll, which is interesting. I, w- I was pretty sure he was going to head out the door, didn't end up doing it. We do have Della Ali, who's impressing, but maybe not there quite yet. Uh, we also have Nathan Odua, who's really impressing in Scotland, and everybody's saying, you know, he's he's the next great Tottenham player, despite the fact that he's playing up in Scotland and not here at all. But I, I was very frustrated by the transfer dealings, and I'm very frustrated with everybody saying that there were holes to plug, not plugging them, and then saying it's fine. If they had said before deadline day, listen, we might not get our guys, but if we don't, we're comfortable with this, that would be an entirely different matter. But they publicly said there are holes in the squad we need to fill, then didn't fill them, and they were like, eh, it's probably fine. And that's not what you want to hear, you know, from a multi-billion dollar corporation. It's very Tottenham-like, isn't it? (laughs) Don't want to talk about it. It is. It's not out of character. We'll put it that way. How's that for PR, Jeremy Peace? I am very salty about that. Wish we could have worked it out. We'll probably try to have that on Thursday now. But anyway, that's that's my summation of Tottenham's transfer stuff. All of us have talked about our transfer dealings, and we're just going to kind of continue that conversation rolling on to the topic. We pretty much already talked about how we felt about our window, but did you guys feel the needs that you have? Which players will benefit or suffer from the addition of new players, and what kind of formations might you be deploy with the new additions to your squads? Uh, for us, like here's here's an interesting Chelsea thing that I heard, and you can let me know if this is crazy or likely to happen. Which is Ivanovic has been struggling. That's not news to anyone. Has he? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Um, we know we know that Aspilicueta is actually right footed, playing on the left at the moment. We know you brought in highly touted Baba Raman. Is there any chance that you would switch Cesar slash Dave to the right and play Baba Raman on the left while Ivanovic gets his stuff together? Well, you know, um, I think if it doesn't happen, you're you're very likely to see petitions going around from Chelsea fans trying to get that to happen. Um, everyone's been calling out for exactly that, and and I think there's a chance. Obviously, the other day against Crystal Palace, uh, don't want to you know talk about it too much, but uh, oh, please Palace. do. Yeah. All right, Jay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that Tottenham beat Chelsea five three on New Year's Day? <laughs> right, is, is that not what this is right now? <laughs> you also won the title after that, so I guess I can't really. <laughs> Are we done? Yeah, I think we're good. I think we can carry on. So um, yeah, the other day, Kennedy, uh, one of our other uh, summer signings, he was um, he was brought on. <laughs> To play as left back, which was obviously very comical, and yeah, soon enough, Crystal Palace they actually scored for for two one, and I think the assist came from that side. It was initially a cross that Ivanovic missed over on the right, and then Kennedy, inexperienced as he is as left back, seeing as he's he's not a left back, it's kind of like putting Diego Costa at left back, 
Um, yeah, he didn't mark his man properly, and, and Christopher Palace scored for two one. But uh, it was interesting because, as you say, we have just bought Baba Raman, uh, who's supposed to be really, really good. I admit I haven't seen that much of him, but um, everyone who has. They've, they've told me really good things, and apparently he's got electric pace and uh, a really good cross on him, uh, on his left foot. So uh, it'd be exciting to see what, what he could do. But the reason he wasn't brought on against Crystal Palace was, um, was because Mourinho said he wasn't ready. Mm. Like uh, work permit stuff or just playing? playing no, 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 he was, he was on the bench. So, uh, yeah. so he could have been brought on, but apparently his, his stamina wasn't, wasn't good enough for, for 20 minutes on the pitch. So you have to wonder why he was included on the bench. Yeah. Uh, if it wasn't good enough for that, but um, Mourinho said it wasn't. Perhaps it was. It was more of a message to to the board and to Abramovich to uh, you know pretty much uh, get their finger out and sign someone. But um, obviously that didn't happen. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if 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 Ronan he gets a, a run of games because uh, Aspilicueta, as you say, he is actually he's actually a right back. Maybe he's forgotten how to play there because he hasn't played there for like two years now. He's, he's been brilliant at left back, but um, perhaps he could contribute a bit more in attack if moved over to the right. He could swing in a few crosses and stuff. And it'd be nice to see because uh, Ivanovic really has struggled. He was uh, completely skinned the whole match by uh, Mares. Uh, no, not Mares. We haven't played them. What's his name? AU? Yeah, well, him too, but the other guy. <laughs> uh, the other guy for Swansea, what's his name? The guy who started. Oh, um, um, Jefferson Montero. Yeah, Montero, that's one. Yeah, he was completely destroyed by Jefferson Montero in the game against Swansea and uh, Crystal Palace. He was uh, ridiculously exposed as well. Uh, not, not, not to mention how we did at Manchester City away. That was uh, embarrassing, really. Uh, mm. When you consider the fact that that's the first major game that Mourinho he's lost, as in against a major side. And no, Kevin, let's not talk about five three against Tottenham. All right. Um, <laughs> But yeah, we lost that one three 0 and and he was just exposed so badly, and and pretty much everyone they were, they were ready to ship him off for for nothing, you know. After that, um, so it appears that Ivanovic he's just he's just a Mourinho favorite, and Mourinho sort of turned a blind side to him, which is really unprofessional, you might say. Um, and if if there's any justice at Chelsea Football Club, Ivanovic would he would get dropped for the next game, and and Rahman would. Get a chance at left back. Aspilicueta move over to the right. Yeah, we, we've talking about we've talked about Chelsea favorites and Mourinho favorites before, yeah. and kind of in that vein, you mentioned Pedro coming in, maybe Oscar up the middle. How do you see that kind of time split working with Willian? Because obviously Pedro can't be dropped after how well he's done in his first two matches. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the thing as well. Um, where's Willian going to fit in? Where's Oscar going to fit in? And are we going to be able to to keep them both, you know, satisfied with how much they're playing? So uh, obviously Hazard, he's he's not going to get dropped anytime soon either. He was brilliant last season. He's been absolutely rubbish this season. But uh, to be fair, he's really not been the only one. It looks like he's enjoyed his summer a bit too much, if you ask me. And he really needs to uh, to to pick up his his game again. Uh, again. Uh, he even admitted it the other day. He said, "Yeah, Mourinho, he's right to criticize me. I've I've been really bad so far, and I've not at all hit the." level that I uh, that I managed to to play at last season so I hope this international break that we're currently in is going to help me back to that but um, where is William going to fit in the thing is we've seen him play at number ten, like the number 10 role in the middle um, a few times and he's done really well 
and perhaps even better than he has at right wing. Uh, obviously, the main quality about Wooden, the main quality that Mourinho he sees anyway, is, is how much he's willing to track back and just sprint up and down the field. Uh, he's, he's more, he's, he's an attacking Ramirez, you know, Ramirez with better ball control, and, and Mourinho obviously really likes him as well. But he really likes Oscar as well, and it looks like he's really gonna like Pedro, because you can't ignore how good he's been. He's he's been our best player since he joined. So I really don't know what to tell you. Um, we might see one of them leave next summer. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised, but I wouldn't be surprised if they stayed. So it's it's gonna be an interesting season. I albeit maybe not very successful. Mm. And maybe you know we'll see some of them in Champions League as opposed to Premier League. We never know how all that will shake down either. Jay, obviously we talked about the Glenn Murray departure. You'd have to think as a, a fan of Palace and as a fantasy owner as well, hint. Uh, now it means more opportunities for Connor Wickham and Patrick Bamford. Uh, it looks like Wickham, it's kind of the job is his at the moment. Do you see any formational shift to kind of help both of them onto the pitch, or, or do you think it's Bamford primarily? Yeah, I mean, Wait, the signs are made are... Wick Aldinho, you mean? Wick Aldinho. Props to Scott over at the Swansea <laughs> way. That was uh, when when uh, Tottenham beat Sunderland, whatever it was, 4-0 before they won like their last eight matches to stay safe two years ago. And he had like an insane touch on a ball out of the sky. And uh, yeah, he's been dubbed Wick Aldinho since. Well, I kid you not, Bamford, he, he's been he's been called Bamfordinho as well by Chelsea fans for the last that's, two years. Right. <laughs> You've got two of them. That's brilliant. <laughs> the palace shop uh, is about to run a whole out of a whole lot of those letters. It's Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> it's like watching Brazil, but before this yeah. last World Cup. It's a strike. It's a shame we don't still have our yellow away shirts this season. But yeah, the, the, the odd thing is with Wickham is that he seems to have been around for so such a long time. I think he came on the scene when he was about 16. Um, so he's been doing around. He's always been linked with Palace, uh, but I think he's only 22 now. So you know, a lot of fans have kind of questioned the signing and and the money we pay for him. But for me, he fits into our side perfectly. Um, Glenn Murray played the role very well second half of last season. Has done before, um, but the, the the two real games that shone out for me so far have been Arsenal and and he got treatment in both of those teams. You know, real real. Got a kick from Pillar to post in both games. Didn't complain about it. Got on with a job and, and did what he was supposed to do. The only thing, I think he needs a goal. That would be great because he is a striker. Um, but for me, you know, someone did by holding the ball up and, you know, a typical number nine, as you would call that, you know, as a number nine shirt. So, you know, you don't always get those in football teams anymore because you can choose any number you like. But um, a typical old school number nine, he, he comes across to me. And there's a reason why we would change our formation, particularly with the way the midfield is working. Um, I saw Bamford play against Shrewsbury in the Cup um, midweek, a couple of weeks ago, and he had a terrible game, I have to say. I, he kept trying, nothing wrong with that at all. He kept trying and, you know, just nothing was coming off for him at all. And it was, you know, it was against lower opposition you would expect him to kind of but I think he just needs a bit of time to fit in perhaps um, you know into the side and and see him have a few opportunities perhaps in the cup and and see how that goes Uh, but for me with Murray gone we had to lose a striker Um, and as I mentioned I thought it would be between Murray and Campbell uh, with Campbell being injured I think um, it was obvious that Murray was going to be the one to go so um, yeah in terms of the effect on the players I think 
you know, Wickham comes in and kind of replaces Murray as such, and, and Murray's gone. So that's a really big effect on Murray because he's kind of lost his place at, at the club and, and and he's gone. But, you know, age I mentioned earlier is something that, uh, you know, it's not getting any younger. Uh, and I think the offer was too good to turn down for Bournemouth. And I hope he does well at Bournemouth. I'm, I'm sure he'll score goals and he'll play with uh, youngster, youngster Callum Wilson and, and hopefully he'll learn, learn a lot from Murray. I think he's got a lot to, uh, a lot to share. So as for the rest of the team, second, coming in I tell you it's a great thing he's had he's been our best player in the last two games um and the effect that he will have is that he will give Balassi and Zaha you know a little bit of a kick uh in terms of you know that those right side and left side of midfield places have been theirs uh, nobody's really been there to challenge them in terms of you know replacing them in that in that uh, in that position and Sacco will do that um, certainly more so Zaha, I think, because Zaha's kind of on and off, um, not so much as um, Balassi. I think Balassi is, you, you generally know what you're going to get from him. You know, he's a very uh, very attacking player and he will go out to fall back every time. Zaha, I think, is still suffering from a bit of a confidence problem after coming back from United from the treatment he had up there. Um, there. There are a lot of glimpses of his old form that we remember him um, a couple of years ago before he signed for them. So he is coming back to his best, but I think he, um, I think that the Sacco signing will only be, uh, help him improve and you know he, he will want to keep on to that, uh, that, that, that slot in the midfield. Um, elsewhere, Alex McCarthy, uh, a signing we made, goalkeeper, his effect has been, yeah, I mean, his effect has been, I think Pardew has been lucky in the fact that Speroni has uh, had an injury in pre-season uh, and he's been out from the start of the season. I think he's got another couple of weeks to go yet. And for me, I can't see him getting back in. McCarthy has been excellent. Um, some of the saves he made, I think he made a double save at Chelsea uh, when it was nil-nil. And I think that alone in that first half was crucial. Uh, as well as Kabai missing a chance that he had as well from from a great great you know passing move from Palace, which we uh, you don't normally <laughs> normally link to Palace, but um, he made a great double save. I think the second save was a combination of him and Scott Dan, um, you know, inside a six yard box. And some of the saves he made, I think he had a a bit of a dodgy start. Orange, I think some fans blamed him for the Norwich goal. Um, but I, I think the problem we have is that we've always been used to Speroni, who's a small keeper. Small keepers can get down quicker. McCarthy's a bigger keeper, a bit like Hennessy. And we've noticed that in that the bigger keeper tends to struggle to get down into the corners, you know, as quick as a smaller keeper. Um, maybe that's, you know, but you know, being so agile and, you know, Sproni is known as a shot stopper rather than uh, a bit that will command his area and distribute well. I think McCarthy's been outstanding. It's been a, been a great signing for us, a real good addition, commanded the bat line, commanded his area, I think that's something we've missed, and his distribution as well, which is something um, is not that great at. Um, so it, it's going to be difficult to see him, uh, Sproni, getting back in the side uh, really when he comes back from injury. Although on the plus side, you know he hasn't got a rush to get back. So, uh, but for me, Sproni, I think this is going to be his last season. So we're going to have two keepers at the club, Hennessy and McCarthy, um, competing for that number one slot. And, and at the moment, McCarthy's made it his own. Um, and the only other one I was going to mention was goodbye. Um, and the mm. effect that that has had on the team is that we don't play with two holding midfield players anymore. So where we used to have, or we still have, we still have um, Yednak, we have 
um, MacArthur and Ledley. So we had two of those three playing every game. Now we're only having one of those three playing every game, which makes sense as to why there are rumours about them, one of them possibly going on transfer deadline day because we don't particularly need them when we're playing MacArthur, who's playing so well uh, in that holding role. He's the engine room. He runs and runs. Um, Kabai is no slacker in that area either. He's come in as a touch of class, but he gets stuck in. Um, that's something that surprised a lot of Palace fans. I think he was seen to be the player that would add add a bit of you know passing flair and ability in the midfield, but he's not shy of a tackle at all, which has been brilliant. Um, so him um, and and they've also got across the middle. You know we've got an attacking midfield. Um, Punch and works hard as well, and you just can't see a place for players like Yednak and Ledley unless. We have suspensions in, you know, it's a, it's a long season, so that's no doubt going to happen at some point. So you want a strong squad. Um, I think the only thing I would say is that we're probably looking at the strongest squad I've ever seen at Palace. You know, mm. when you look at the bench and the options we hench, we're not looking at players thinking, oh, I don't really want to see that player come on if you know if if we come to that. But now yeah, it's having not like Dan that. and Much and Ledley and Yetnak all able to come off the bench. Exactly, I, I think. I think that speaks volumes for what the club have done in the summer um, and built up to this point. In that, you know, we do we do have a very good squad of players. When you when you look for the names of players, it's sometimes think how we're going to keep all those players happy. Um, so January the January transfer window may be a bit testing because some of those players who may not have featured much, um, you know, could could be looking to move on for time. But I think it's perhaps you know it's a good problem to have um mm. no doubt about it if we want to achieve some of the things that if you um, want to do with the Europa League next year exactly right yeah exactly right and you know and we have a squad of players you look for a list of names and you think actually they're you know they're all decent players in their own right so um i think the effect of this transfer window has been massive for us it yeah. has, and it's really improved a squad which was already pretty decent as it was yeah um tottenham uh, <sighs> That's, that's that noise just basically sums it up. We should have done better. Um, after last year, when we signed Ben Davis, Eric Dyer, DeAndre Yedlin, Federico Fazio, and Benji Stambouli, all of whom are either defenders or no longer at the club, and then started this transfer window with Kieran Trippier, Kevin Bimmer, and Toby Alderberald, who are all defenders, I think it points out what flaws we thought we had in the squad. Uh, that's that's seven defenders in two years for those keeping track at home. Um, the problem with that is that only one of them immediately stepped into the first team, and that's Toby Alderweireld. And then Eric Dyer is now there because he's willing to play right back or defensive midfield, depending on how we need him. So we have been adding a lot of depth, with Jay, which Jay just mentioned. But for us, it's not as good because we're at that. You know, we, we've been on this precipice. This kind of sixth richest club precipice for quite some time. And did we overachieve the year we got into the Champions League? Uh, yes, because Wilson Palacios was part of that team. Um, but <laughs> Jeremy and Genus and, and all those guys. Um, but all in all, it wasn't that bad. Uh, I like the signings of Clinton G and, and Hyungmin Son. I think they're both very attacking players. Andrew Gibney convinced me to like G after I was a little little hesitant on him, but the first team hasn't improved drastically. I think in terms of players that will benefit from this, it's Harry Kane, because uh, the thing about both NG and Son is that they're both willing to kind of bomb forward regardless of whether or not a ball is going to be there, 
which is a thing that Tottenham's current players are hesitant to do. There's a whole lot of standing around, you know, the offside trap and just just kind of waiting to see what's going on instead of just kind of going and trusting that something's going to come. And that's been a part of why we've looked so stagnant the last two years. And I think adding Sun and NG is, is going to very much help with that. Who does it hurt? Uh, Eric Lamela slash Dembele slash Townsend all have to be looking at their place because Dembele's been playing on the right wing and think, well, how am I going to keep starting there? I don't know if they will. Sun naturally plays on the left or is kind of a false nine-ish thing. He played striker, I believe, uh, before Kiesling decided to be really good over at Bayer Leverkusen. Uh, so I don't really know what we're going to do in our midfield. Eric Dyer has to be happy with the way the transfer window closed. It looks like he's now going to lock down a spot in that defensive midfield role paired with one of Bentaleb or Mason, kind of depending on how we're playing on facing other teams. Um, it benefits Mason and Alex Pritchard because they're just behind Erickson on the quote-unquote depth chart. Sorry, I'm American. Um, so I, I think that's all interesting. Kevin Vimmer came in. He's kind of on the bench. I'm assuming that he and Fazio will, will be our Europa League center backs, uh, probably along with Trippier and, and Ben Davis. The Trippier signing, I was very excited about. Still think he's a better footballer than Kyle Walker. I agree that Kyle Walker has performed better this year, save for some own goal and awful uh, <laughs> against Manchester United. But uh, I still would like to see Trippier there. But that means our back four in Europa League, Trippier, Fazio, Wimmer, Ben Davis. That's not the worst thing in the world. Michelle Vorm gets way too much flack, considering he's, he's fairly competent as a goalkeeper. It's just we keep comparing him to Hugo Lloris, which just isn't fair at all. Midfield have to, like I say, pick between Mason, probably Dembele now, who's probably going to shift back to central midfield as cover there. Also, Bentaleb, like I mentioned, Della Ali, Tom Carroll, they're all floating around there on the wings. I already mentioned all those guys. The, the problem is that there wasn't a second striker. That's the problem. And it could have been anyone. We just wanted to see somebody else that could play up front on their own at the club so that we didn't have to rely as heavily on Kane. Because we have gambled a whole season on Kane being able to do what he did last year again, which I think is a very, very large gamble, and probably a bigger gamble than $23 million on Barahino would have been. Like I said, not distraught that we didn't spend $23 million on what would have equated to being a backup striker, but if you look at how much further down the table are we going to finish, are we even going to finish in Europa League and get that minuscule financial buff? I know we're getting the huge TV deal next year, but we could have potentially lost a lot more than $23 million by not bolstering that position. Uh, because if Kane gets hurt, we're going to free fall down the table. And Jay's absolutely right. I mean, if you're looking at teams that you're afraid of playing right now, Rasmus can attest, they did not have a whole lot of fun playing either Swansea or Crystal Palace. And I doubt they'll be looking forward to doing so again. I don't think Tottenham inspire that kind of fear in anyone right now. We, we don't play a direct brand of football. We play a very plotting, possession-based brand of football that allows a lot of people to get at us. And I think that's going to be the big problem. And if we had somebody else that we could rely on to offer a little bit of pace up front, like I said, maybe we're going to play NG up there, but bringing in Berahino would have been a good deal. I'm not distraught that we didn't, but I am questioning why there wasn't another option kind of lined up in case that failed. All right, and from there we are going on to Player Watch, where we're going to discuss the international break, which is not going to be fun for me. But we're going to mention a player that impressed and disappointed for our national team's during this international break. We'll start off with Rasmus. Yeah, um, so, well, for our national teams, uh, I obviously support two national teams because I, I've lived in Belgium 
Belgium pretty much all my life, and uh, I am Danish. So uh, first up, well, Denmark, they drew nil-nil against Albania. And, and no Ericsson. Yeah, and I literally cannot tell you one player that looked good. It was such a boring match. I'm, I, I'm actually I'm not even ashamed to say that I, I almost fell asleep during it. It was literally that bad. It was the worst way to spend a Friday night. Um, it was it was really just it was boring. To, well, you know, as as a manager, as Mourinho would say, it was an interesting tactical battle. Um, but it wasn't. It just wasn't. Uh, and yeah, there's really not much to say about it. Nil nil. We're in. You know, we're second in the group, but only on, on goal difference. I think and Albania have a game in hand. So uh, it's it's. It's a bit. It's a, it's an interesting group to to follow right now. Actually, uh, I think if I were to highlight one, I'd probably say Hoybia. You know the 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 guy at Bayern Munich who's now been rented out to Schalke yeah. uh, this season. He's uh, he's always got a good energy on the pitch, and um, he he really uh, he, he was probably the best player the other day as well. So um, yeah, I prob- I'd probably go with him also because he's just he's a, an exciting talent to uh, to follow as a. As a Danish Is football Fisher, fan, uh, fit yet, or what's his deal? I I don't really know, Kevin. Um, I think he's slowly getting back to a to a somewhat you know similar level of what he had a few years ago when he was pretty much scoring every game for Ajax. But uh, I think uh, I really hope he he manages because he was he was so good back then. But uh, so far, it's it's not really working for him. But uh, we'll see. And for Belgium. Um, much as it pains me, Kevin De Bruyne, he ran the show the other night, uh, and I can't tell you, I can't tell you how bitterly disappointed I am that he's gone to Manchester City. And if anyone, anyone wants to look back through my tweets to when we sold him, you'll realize just how distraught I was when we sold him a few. What was it? Yeah, it was two years ago, um, almost. And I knew it was going to turn out this way. You know, um, the only positive is that there are rumors that we actually had quite a big uh, uh, you know clause in his in his uh, in his sale where um, we might be getting quite a bit of the money from from the Manchester City uh, sale so that's uh, that's that's interesting because obviously there's a lot of money involved in that move it was I think it was 55 million pounds mm. um, but yeah he looked he looked really really good and uh, the only thing is he, he doesn't contribute that much in the Defense, but his attacking ability is just—it's phenomenal. And I, even though I'm disappointed he's gone to Manchester City, I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm excited to be to see him in the Premier League again. I hope he does well, just not not that well. And <laughs> not against Chelsea. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, Jay, who impressed, and why was it Harry Kane? And who disappointed? Uh, <laughs> I actually like uh, Kane's cameo, and it's great to see him get that goal. Um, took it really well, didn't he? <clears throat> and uh, hope you know, hopefully that'll give you guys a bit of impetus, you know, or give him a bit of impetus back when he goes back with Spurs. But yeah. on the main player that impressed me, I'll start with the player that uh, disappointed, and that Luke Shaw. I, I just don't feel comfortable with him at left back at all. Um, I mean, I have to say, I was a bit like Rasmus. I was on off during the game, and that sounds ridiculous when you say that you know, I was watching the game where he won 6-0. But, but it was an odd game. It was like a training session on a terrible pitch, um, and I'm very surprised that there wasn't any injuries to report of or significant injuries to report of because it looked 
you know, looked atrocious. Um, but, you know, we still have to play, uh, not being snobby about it, we still have to play these, uh, you know, smaller nations um, away from home. And to be honest, it's, a, it's been a fantastic qualifying campaign for England, really. Um, but going back, the player disappointed me, Luke Shaw, I, I just don't, it doesn't fill me with a lot of confidence. I mean, he was losing them to San Marino players, so I don't know what would happen to him playing up against Germany or Italy or France or somebody of that calibre. Um, just worries me, concerns me. But, you know, whether we'll see him, you know, I can't imagine he's our first choice uh, left back, but uh, uh, we'll, we'll see how that, how that works out. I mean, you know, good against San Marino. You know, then I don't think it's a lot of chance really. Maybe it's an off day. Maybe I'm being a bit unfair, but, but um, yeah, tweet Kev on Twitter about that if you like. Um, <laughs> the player that impressed me the most, I think, um, it's, it's it's a tough one actually. I, I'd have to go Rooney for equally in the records. Um, you know, it's a record, a bit of a you know, a bit of a, uh, a weight around the neck. Of, uh, it, it, that was all the talk in the build up to the game, um, um, and he got the goal to come level on points and level on games actually with. Uh, uh, Bobby Charlton, which uh, which great achievement, and it's a bit of a bizarre one. They scored exactly the same amount of goals in in exactly the same amount of games. So um, I'm pretty confident he's going to get past uh, you know plenty more games left to go for for Rooney. So for me, he edges it. But mentions um, to Walcott come off the bench and playing a role which he scored two goals from a non-striking uh, position, which uh, which I think probably suits him better, even though he goes on about playing up front all the time. Um, Barkley played well in the middle, combined well. With Shelby as well. Um, other than that, I think Stones had a decent game uh, at the back for what he had to do. Um, other than that, it's another win, um, and it's a great qualifying campaign. And uh, look forward to Euro, the Euros next season, uh, next summer. Hey, I won't. Let me tell you why. Uh, <laughs> neither the United States nor Netherlands are going to qualify for Euro 2016 at all. Um, the United States have a better excuse. Uh, Netherlands came into this weekend needing two wins. Ended with two losses, negative four goal difference this weekend. Just absolute shambles. I I don't particularly blame Danny Blint, but he hasn't done anything to right the ship that was already sinking left by Goose Hitting. It's, it's all just gone so badly, so quickly. It's really staggering, but we're in this awful transition period between the old guard and kind of the young, promising prospects, and none of them are at it right now. So... Van Persie and Snyder dropped by Danny Blint at different times, which removed that kind of leadership role in the Netherlands side, which, as many people are aware, there, there are a lot of big personalities in that Dutch side, and it often takes the loudest, biggest one to get them all in line. And that's what Van Gaal was, and it's not there anymore, either on the pitch or in the dugout. There's nobody there to get all of these people playing for Netherlands or for each other. They're all playing for themselves, all wearing the same shirt. And it's embarrassing. It genuinely is. Watching how awful it's been. Memphis Depay was clearly the best player, created so many chances that nobody could turn in. And much like Brazil at the last World Cup, historically, Neymar should have been the third or fourth best Brazil player in his teams. If people are wondering what what happened to Brazil. He is now their best player by far. And you know, that's the difference. Is Brazil used to have a lot of those players at once, and now it's Neymar specifically. And with the Netherlands, it's the same thing, where Depay shouldn't even be in the conversation of who the best Dutch player is right now, while Van Persie still has a heartbeat, and while Snyder is still around. And I know Robin got hurt, which is obviously disappointing. But 
he can't be the person that's the catalyst for your entire attack. And he very much was. Snyder and Van Persie both went largely absent, despite both playing in Turkey, which is where they were. You know, I understand that it's a tough place to go and get a win, but they were the two that were the most absent. The defense has been horrible. Bruno Martinzindi played well until he got a red card, which was warranted. He elbowed a guy in the face. Uh, then today, the defense was in shambles again. Stefan de Vrij looked horrible, which is a staggering thing based on how well he's been playing over the past I don't know, 16 months or so. Just just horrible. Jasper Sillison has looked to be an absolute shambles. Uh, easily could have saved two of the goals today, decided not to. Um, it, it's it's just all gone horribly, horribly wrong. The disappointing players, uh, the people that were wearing white shirts today and orange shirts on Thursday, I think it was. Those are the people that disappointed. And, and it's, it's just shocking. Uh, Kieran, who came on um, during the Women's World Cup, I was... Uh, talking to and he was like don't worry about it there's still the Euro 2017 tournament uh, for the for the women and I was saying Lico Martins was desperately needed in this match um, but it, it really is just laughing to hide the pain because it, it's unacceptable what's happened and I don't know if you can hold Danny Blint responsible taking Van Persie out and in the match against Iceland bringing on Quincy Promise instead on late in the match not really sure what he's doing at all he, this wasn't supposed to be his job yet. It was supposed to be Hitting's job through the Euros, and then we were going to groom Danny Blint that whole time, get him ready for the World Cup 2018 in Russia. He's been pushed into the job early. I understand that. Now people are calling for his head, which means Rude Van Nistelrooy would probably be up next, and he's even less ready. Like We, we landed up this whole succession plan of getting in Hitting. He'd bring us to Danny Blint, and then Danny Blint would be the manager probably for World Cup 2018, Euro 2020, then bring in Van Nistelrooy for the following one, and it's just all gone wrong. The best chance for the Netherlands, honestly, uh, isn't even the Euros this year. I'm not even worried about that. It's if Manchester United continue to struggle. I know they've been picking up points, but they have not looked good. If Van Gaal gets sacked and took the Netherlands job again, that's the only way that this ship is going to get righted anytime soon because the old players will still have a place because it's a very sentimental pick to put your, your Snyders and your Van Persies and your Robins in there. Even De Jong or Kout, if he does well now that he's back in uh, Netherlands playing. But it's it's time to move on. But there's nobody to take over the leadership reins. And, and Ron Vlar is hurt, and he was, a, he was a massive force in the World Cup and really helped culminate that leadership role as well. But if it's just going to be 11 young 20-year-olds running around on a pitch wearing orange, Netherlands aren't going to do anything in any big tournament for quite some time. So, Kev, are you saying that uh, USA had a better chance of qualifying for European Championships next time? <laughs> for the women's one? <laughs> than, uh, than Holland. Oh, yeah, probably. I reckon if you ask most Americans, they'll probably say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely think America will do well in the European Soccer Championships. <laughs> Held in France that, next season. That's one for USA soccer guy, isn't it? It really is. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad you guys lightened that up so we don't have to end on such a bitter rant. But we are out of time. So if you have any uh, projects you'd like to plug or if you'd like to tell people where to reach you, now would be a good time. Yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Um, don't really have any projects in the pipeline right now. But if you fancy following me on Twitter, you can do so at Chelsea Rumors. Thank you. 
Yeah, thanks for listening. I'm Jay. I'm editor of TheEaglesBeak.com. I also write for a new sports website called StalkSports.com. So head on over there to see me write about cycling, NFL, and anything else that takes my fan. I also have a weekly column in the Croydon Advertiser, which is a local newspaper about Palace. And I'm also uh, working with Palace Fan TV on a few videos this summer season, so you can uh, come out on YouTube. So um, if you want to get in contact with me, you can get in touch via Twitter using at TheEaglesBeak. Yep, thanks for joining us, guys. I was your host, Kevin DeBrace, and will continue to be so. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at Kevroff. Uh, if you're looking for more of my voice, I don't know why you would be, but this podcast comes <laughs> out on Monday and Friday mornings. We now have a fantasy Premier League roundtable uh, that comes out on Thursday mornings. If you'd like to see me writing about Tottenham, Crystal Palace, or Sunderland, I do weekly previews uh, for fantasy over on blog.playtaga.com and also have a weekly article that goes up on theeaglesbeat.com, which is Jay's site, uh, talking about price points for fantasy options and who you should bring in and who you should drop at each 1.0 price point. And I think that's it. Yeah. All right. So, so yeah, that's it from me. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. It's been a pleasure as always, and we hope you keep listening.